Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. How's everybody doing? It's, it's wonderful to have an awesome time of intimacy with our God. You know, I really believe that when we worship, it's, it's really the, um, a breeding ground for miracles and signs and wonders. A lot of times we think, well, we have to have someone lay hands on us. But when we're in his presence, I truly believe that it's just an opportunity for God to touch us in many different ways, spirit, soul, and body. So, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Amen. All right. Shimona, you're kind of over there, so you're like there's a leaf at your face, so it's kind of like... <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. You know, those little things when you're preaching are a big thing. You're like, there's a leaf in her face. I can't look over there right now. All right. So today, as you can tell... I'm going to speak on God's plan for connection. All right. And so that's kind of what happened in worship, but God really has a plan for it. And so God, God is so committed to connection that he actually gave of himself to restore it. Right? He's so committed to it. He's so passionate about connection that he actually gave of himself and sacrificed himself so that restoration and relationship could be restored. But we were created in the image of God, right? Which means we were created for connection. So if God is so passionate, passionate about connection and relationship and intimacy, right? If he's so passionate about us and we were created in his image, we were created for connection with God, but also with others. And how many of you know we are in a new covenant, right? We're in a new covenant, a better covenant. And I would say the connection that we have with our God is so much better than what the Old Testament prophets experienced, right? We have access because he lives inside of us. So in a fundamental way, when we long for connection with one another, we reflect his image. Now, obviously, if it's distorted or perverted or twisted, that's not what I'm talking about. But when we long for connection, when we long for relationship, when we long for partnership, it's actually a reflection of who he is. How many of you know that we're actually called to co-labor with God, to partner with him? So when we desire to partner with him, we're reflecting his image. When we desire to partner with those around us, we're reflecting his image. Say that's good. Genesis 2.18. Now the Lord said, it is not good, beneficial for man to be alone. 
What does he say? It is not good for man to be alone, but I will make, make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Hmm. So God was looking at his creation. And he said, wait a second. Someone's unfinished. Why? Because he didn't have partnership and he didn't have connection. Right? Say with me, it is not good for man to be alone. So when man was alone, he was unfinished. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. You know, it was funny because Katie, I said, you know what? I could, I could preach the past week. And she said, no, that's Christmas. She said, no, you can't do that. And I knew what she was saying. She didn't want a sermon like this on Christmas. <laughs> but I just got to be who I am, right? Some people may interpret this verse solely as a reference to marriage between a man and a woman. But I believe that this verse reveals and communicates so much more. It actually speaks to our design and how we were created to function. We were actually created to function in partnership. We were created to function in connection, not only with God, but with man and with others. So this reveals a need for relationship a need for connection, a need for partnership, a complementary relationship. All these needs are available in a healthy, committed, covenantal, Christ-centered relationship. Yes, marriage, but also those that we are in covenant with as a community of believers. So here's a thought that I want you to think about. Adam had all the purpose and responsibility that... Adam had purpose and responsibility that filled his life, yet God considered Adam to be unfinished, alone, without relational partnership. See, a lot of times we think if I get busy enough and do what God's called me to do, that's what he wants me to do. But Adam, he had a responsibility to tend the garden, right? Right? He had responsibility. He had calling. He had purpose. But God says, no, wait a second. You're unfinished because someone's not partnering with you. So your calling outside of relationship is unfulfilled purpose. Come on. Our relationships are what finish the process of purpose. When you value your calling over relational connection, you become imbalanced. Remember, God wanted to create someone suitable that was a counterpart for Adam. So Adam could have been busy doing the things that he was created for and yet remained unfinished because he didn't have Eve. Come on. Now this one's a little tougher. Adam had unlimited access to the presence of God and yet it was not good for Adam to be alone. Oh, okay. See, a lot of times when we get hurt, when we get frustrated with relationships, we start saying things like, well, it's just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. No one has ever said that before, right? Just me and Jesus. Yeah, God said it's not good for man to be alone. 
Adam had complete, unhindered access to the presence of God, and yet God says, nope, you're not finished. Come on. See, a lot of, like I said, a lot of times we get hurt, we get frustrated, we get disappointed, and so we want to isolate ourselves, and then we spiritualize it by saying, yep, it's just me and Jesus right now. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times where you go through a season where you're just pressing into the Lord. But I'm saying as a whole, as the big picture, we were created for connection with God and also with others. So the truth is God has all sufficiency to meet your needs, right? But he didn't create us that way. He created us to need connection. He created us to partnership. He created us for intimacy. He actually created us so that we would have an exchange of life between one another. Wouldn't it be better just, just me and God, right? right? Then I don't have to deal with all this, right? But he said, no, you're unfinished. Even, even if I could give you, even though I can give you everything that you need, I didn't create you that way. Oh, boy. That's why Katie didn't let me preach last week. Okay. I said I would, I would try really hard. I would make it a real Christmassy message. I would have wore, no, I wouldn't have wore a Santa hat. Maybe a chief's hat. I don't know. All right. So, Ephesians 4.16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. What does that mean? We're different. We don't do the same work. We fit into each other differently. And it helps the other parts grow. So that, what do you, what do you mean? It helps the other parts grow. Meaning if I put myself in isolation, I stunt my growth. Even if it's just you and Jesus. Why? Because he created us to function in this way. Thank you, Jesus. Right? So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, a lot of times we say, I'm just going to walk in love. Well, you can't do that without the people around you. Never pray, God teach me to love. (laughs) It's only our connection with God that matures us. It's not only our connection with God that matures us and makes us healthy, full of love. It's our interaction and connection with his body, quote unquote, imperfect people. Right? That completes the process of love. So what does the enemy want to do? He wants you to isolate yourself. Come on. He wants you to separate yourself. Now, one thing I want to say is I'm talking about real authentic interaction. I'm not just talking about being in the building. Okay. How's it going, brother? It was the worst week of your life. It was falling apart. Amen, brother. Everything's great. Just because you're in the building doesn't mean you're having real authentic connection. And I've, I've gotten, I don't know if this comes with age, but I've gotten to the place where I struggle with small talk. 
How's the weather? It's great. I'm like, can we get a deep conversation going on here? All right. I need to uh, call up someone and say, how are you doing? <laughs> or whatever. What's that? Who hurt you? No. Right? I, I long for deeper conversations than, hey, there's nothing wrong with a little small talk. Right? I'm just saying it's not true, real interaction or true, real, authentic because a lot of times we can just put on the show, right? How's the weather? Great. You know, everything's good. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. But one thing that I found as I was kind of re- looking at isolation is most of the time, especially in the body, is we always spiritualize the reasons why we isolate. And we'll see that with Elisha. But, you know, we'll say, yeah, I'm connected. I'm here. I come, right? But there's no real authentic, honest interaction. Now, I'm not saying some people want to have it all the time. All right, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying spread your wings a little bit. All right, so we were created to have connection with God and with man, partnership with God and with man, intimacy with God and with man. So, my, so God made it very clear from the very beginning, what does he say? It is not good for man to be alone. Now, I'm not just talking about a romantic relationship. I'm talking about authentic relationships with those around you, Right? Yes, I do believe that part of it is romantic because Adam and Eve, right? So it's part. But I'm saying it speaks to a bigger thing. It speaks to um, our need for connection and partnership with those around us. So let's look. I lo- let's look at 1 Kings 19.13. So I love this question that Elijah, God asked Elijah when he was hiding in the cave. What's a cave? Is it a five-star resort? It's a place of isolation, right? I love this. 1 Kings 19, 13. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? A place of isolation. place of hiding. And the funny thing about it is, If God asks you a question, it's not for his benefit. An all-knowing God is not asking you a question for his benefit. So why does he ask him this question? Because this question actually reveals the state of his heart. What are you doing here, Elijah? That is really one of the most honest and revealing questions that you could ask. Because what is he saying? What brought you here? Give me an explanation for your situation. Why are you here? And this is Elisha's answer, kind of uh, put together, uh, uh, paraphrased. But he basically goes on to say, I love this. God says, what are you doing here? And what's the first thing out of his mouth? I'm zealous for you, God. I'm passionate for you. Talk about like a counterfeit comment. 
It's like, let's look at this over here, God. Right? He goes on to say, I'm passionate for you. And then he goes on to say, I'm the only one left. And we know later on that God says that's not true. Because what was there, 1,400, 1,500? It was more than Elijah, let's just say. All right? And then he basically says, they're after me. They're trying to kill me. But I just love how he goes, you know, God, I'm so passionate for you. And I'm the only one left. So we see that the cave was the outward manifestation of his internal reality. He allowed his internal reality to lead him to a very, very real place of isolation. So the question tells us two things. What what is the question? What are you doing here, Elijah? The first thing it tells us is Elijah went. He wasn't sent. His internal reality took him to a place of external isolation. So it also tells us that God didn't send him to this place of isolation, right? So out of fear, out of feeling alone, out of self-preservation, Elijah went to a place of isolation. Could it be that we're waiting on God to release us from a place of isolation that we put ourselves in? And it's, and in Elijah's case, then I would say most cases, it was based on a lie. I'm the only one left. You know, no one cares about me. No one cares anymore. There's no way I'm trusting anybody again, right? You know what? I'm better off alone. All these are lies, right? I'll just keep my mouth shut from now on. Just, boop. Just not going to say anything. Boop. That was the happy sound of isolation. You know what, I can do this on my own and no one can really do it like I can. If I want it done right, I need to do it. All these are lies that silence you and isolate you. I'm gonna say that last statement again. Could it be that we're waiting on God to release us from a place of isolation that we ourselves put ourselves in? Come on. I love this quote from Bill Johnson. It's actually helped me out a lot. And when I'm talking about isolation, I'm not talking about like, this is something that I think all of us deal with, right? It's something that I've dealt with. And sometimes when when you get hurt or disappointed, you want to remove yourself. You want to protect yourself. I would say this is an exact... uh, 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 statistic, but I would say 90% of uh, the reason that people isolate themselves is because they're trying to preserve themselves. They're trying to protect themselves. 
right? And that's what, that's what Elijah was doing, right? But this, this verse has really helped me, or not this verse, this, this quote really helped me out from Bill Johnson. Any area in your life where we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. Let's say it again. Any area in our life where, there, where we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. Why does that help out? Because if you're in isolation, you're, you're just going to believe what you're going to believe, right? And so if I look at my life and I say, there's no point in trying there, that tells me I'm believing a lie, right? Well, there's no point, right? There's no point. There's no way that that could be fixed. I'm believing a lie. So that's really helped me out to really pull me out of isolation because in isolation, there's no hope. There's no hope because it's all about protecting yourself. So isolation is where the enemy wants you to be so that he can keep you in cycles of defeat, failure, and frustration. His goal is to separate and disconnect. Isolation is not just physically removing yourself but it's also closing off your heart, shutting down emotionally, cutting down communication lanes, avoiding accountability. Let's say uh, um, Shimon and I had a disagreement, which I don't know if that ever happened. Maybe you didn't tell me about it. No. So, so I was hurt or whatever. And so I believe a lie. But I still say, hey, give me a hug. How's it going? But I'd never bring it up. I never deal with it. And that's really cutting off relationship, right? Yeah, I'm doing all the, the things, the facade of everything's okay. But I never really, like if we have people that we love and we trust in our life, we should be able to communicate. I'm not saying every person in your life you're going to be able to do that, but I believe that we have some. And I believe that in a healthy church, we should be able to as well. So Proverbs 18.1. He who willfully, say willfully, separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. So I want to point something out here, that this is willful isolation. There are times where you can be forced into isolation, but this is talking about a willful isolation. So what is the outcome of a willful isolation? A person will pursue a selfish end. What does that mean? Their world will begin to revolve around themselves. Their connection to the world is through the mirror of their circumstance. Have you, have you ever been frustrated with someone and you actually talk to them about, about it and they're like, oh, I didn't do that for that reason. And you're like, oh, I thought it was about me. <laughs> now I'm just talking to myself right now. I don't know about anybody else. Like when you isolate yourself, what you do is everything looks through the prism of your circumstance. And then when someone does something, they're out to get me. I knew it. Right? 
Obviously, I'm preaching this to the people that are listening online. All right. Like I said before, I would say that the majority of people who isolate themselves do it out of fear or self-preservation. Have you ever wondered why our society seems so self-centered? So self-centered. I believe that we're seeing the symptom, but the disease or the sickness is isolation. Society has put on this false facade of connection. I have 640 friends on Facebook. (laughs) Two people like my post. I'm having a good day. It gives a false sense of community. It gives a false sense. And I'm not against technology. I'm just saying one of the, the pitfalls, right? It gives a false sense of being in connection. But really, many people are just alone. Come on. And so I think we'll say, well, look how self-centered this society is. Well, it could just be a symptom of being isolated and being alone. You know, well, in, in technology, you know, before, if I needed to figure out, oh, I will say this. I will say this. You know how I'm really great at handyman things? Uh, not really. If, if you know me, you know I'm joking. So the other week, I fixed the doorbell, right? Right, I did. And then the other week, listen, I changed the car battery. Now, if you're thinking, whoa, whoa, wait a second. The car battery was in the trunk, so I had to figure that one out. And so I went through this whole thing. And then last night, you wouldn't believe this, I put a new head on our shower. So I'm really thinking, I'm thinking right now that I'm going to start a handyman business. So Danny Jones, you better watch out. All right. Actually, Danny, I told Danny a while ago, he has like a construction business. I was like, I would love to help you out, but you do not want me to help you out, okay? That would not be a good thing. If you need it, I'll try, but I could give you some stories. But anyways, so so in our society, we get isolated and we get a false sense of it. Oh, the reason I said all that was because a long time ago is... How do, how do I fix this? I would say, hey, Dad, can you come over and show me? Right? But now, what do we say? Just Google it. Just YouTube it. Figure it out yourself. You could do it on your own. Right? Exactly. But it's amazing how much we can know and know so little. So information is great and wonderful, but it doesn't actually lead us to understanding all the time, and it doesn't always necessarily mean that we walk in wisdom. So that was the first outcome, is that, you, that the person will pursue a selfish end. The other is, is against all sound judgment starts quarrels. What does that mean? So the person who is in isolation will fight, reject, disprove, and challenge correction. But here's here's the conundrum, right? 
You're in isolation because you're believing a lie. But because you're in isolation, you fight correction. Do you see why there's cycles? Because a person who is in isolation, guess what? They can just Google it. They could probably have the right answer. They could probably disprove it. They might know so much more scripture than you, but they can't receive wisdom because they quarrel against sound judgment. Are you guys seeing this? So if you love and have people in your life that you trust, correction shouldn't be a debate. I'm going to say that one again. Everybody take a deep breath on this one. If you have people that you love and trust in your life, correction shouldn't be a debate. You want me to say it again? Okay. If you have people, I feel like a broken record right now. If you have people that you love and that you trust, I'm not saying 500 people. It could be three people. It could be one. It could be two people. If you have people in your life that you love and trust, correction shouldn't be a debate. It just should be like, okay, I don't see this. Oh, that's what we call a blind spot. Okay. <laughs> I'm, make, I'm kind of making light of it, but it's so true. A lot of times in our society, we could just Google it. We could just look it up online. We could, and guess what? I could get the information that I need, but there's no Google search that's going to fix my blind spots. Right? There's no podcast that I can listen to that it's going to fix a blind spot. Yes, it might be like, ooh, that didn't feel that great. Okay. But when we have people in our life, there's a level of accountability. Are you guys following me? So, our main, so if the main influence in our life is only on an informational level, we will proceed to have all the answers, but we can never resolve any of the issues. If the, if the influence in my life is only on an informational level, I can get a bunch of information. But guess what? I might not be able to solve anything. Because I don't have someone in my life that's speaking truth, the things that I cannot see. Are you guys following me? So what was, what was the result of willful isolation? You will, qual- you will quarrel you will fight, you will argue, you will debate sound wisdom and sound judgment. Thank you, Katie, for not allowing me to speak on Christmas. I appreciate that. I'm just joking. All right, God's response. So <laughs> God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? And then, so this is God's response. What does he say? Go anoint some kings. Now I'm paraphrasing. And a prophet to take your place. Now, obviously, this was a slow transition, right? Now, he gives him his mantle. Or he, um, he goes up, he's plowing some oxen. And so, you know the story. But it was a slow transition. But notice how isolation 
disconnects you from purpose. Isolation means to be or to remain alone or apart from others. Think about this. Isolation is used as a punishment in prison. As if prison wasn't enough. Isolation is used as a punishment. And yet, because we're afraid, we start to punish ourselves and put ourselves in isolation. Are you guys following me? Beware of spiritualizing your self-imposed isolation. You're only punishing yourself. You know, I'm just better off on my own. I'm the only one that can really do this right. I need to protect myself. All these things, these lies, right? But if we willfully go into isolation, we're actually punishing ourselves. I love what Nelson Mandela said. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. So I'm saying all this, like I said, I have to correct myself when I isolate myself. So I have to preach myself this sermon. But I'm not saying this to point a finger or to even create shame. I'm saying it to expose the enemy from stealing and killing and destroying your life. So it's not to bring condemnation. It's actually to bring freedom. To say, listen, wait a second. I was believing a lie. And now I can step outside of isolation and actually get freedom and health and step into the plan that God has for me. Because remember, it is not good for man to be alone. But God, I have all this stuff that you call me to do. It is not good for you to be alone. Come on. Now, I will say this. Um, personalities are different. Okay. Let me just say that. A, a great example are my kids. If you know Layla, she would want to hug me and be there for an hour, right? But Maxwell doesn't really show that affection. So let me give you a little story. Uh, so Maxwell, I don't know, I don't even remember what he was doing, but I sent him to his room, and he was in there maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes, whatever. And then he comes out, or he goes, hey, Dad, can I come out? Yeah, you can come out. And so he comes up and sits on the bed, and I'm on the bed, and he doesn't say anything. And this goes on for like five, six minutes. And then my genius brain said, do you need something, Maxwell? And it blew me away what he said. He said, I need loving. And I said, that is a mature young man right there. He never says that. So I said, sure. So I came, I hugged him, and he was done after two seconds. <laughs> so what he was saying is, are we okay, right? Like, seriously, it was not long. Layla would have been there for hours, right? Maybe not that. That's probably an exaggeration. 
But that's who he is. So I'm all, I'm not, we're all different. So some people would be like, life of the party all the time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we can actually isolate ourselves and actually fall into great deception because of it. So like I said, it's important to know who you are, right? But like Maxwell said, there is a need that I have right now that I need to express, right? And he wanted to connect. Dad, I need loving. Thank you very much. It's over now. <laughs> he got his need met. So I'm saying this in balance because some people like being alone. But I will say this. Could it be, just a thought, could we like being alone because we're so used to it because we believed a lie in fifth grade? <laughs> or we believed a lie because my dad said this to me or I believed a lie because of this. Maybe it's like, well, this is, you know, a lot of times, I'll tell you a lie that sometimes I say that I got to correct myself. I do this every once in a while. I, tell, I let you into the, the mind of me. And uh, so I'll say, um, you know, I'm just not a social person. Right? I might not be the most social person, but a lot of times if something comes up, you know, I'm just not a social person. Rather than confronting fear, right? Stepping out. Like, um, I'll give you an example. Um, we had like a, a thing at the kids' school. And like, I'm the one that uh, is like the meeting sun, let's get out of there. Right? And uh, I was like, the Lord was talking to me, and I was like, all right. And so after the meeting was done, I was like, I'm going to stand around. And Aaron's like, are you ready? No, we're going to just stand here. And then I saw someone, and I was like, hey, how's it going? So I forced myself. Right? So I forced myself, and then there was this one person that I talked to, and it was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then there was a bunch of awkward silence. And then I thought, oh, he must be like me a little bit. And so, <laughs> but other people, you know. So sometimes it's, I haven't worked on the skill, right? And some people, it might be a gifting, right? You're like, how does this person do this? They just float through the crowd and like. And I'm like, if you want to talk to me, come find me, people, Okay. I'll be against the wall with the mean face that you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work through to get there. And so, uh, what's that? No, I'm not that bad. <laughs> like, just put on a smile. Hey, how's it going? You know. But so, what I'm saying is, some of these things are you're just used to doing it, and you just got to get out of your box. And sometimes it's like I don't feel comfortable. But I'm saying all this to say is. It's a part of who we were created to be. It's actually a part of our nature. Because we were made in his image. And God is so passionate about connection that he actually laid down his life so that it could be restored. And we know that God could fill every single one of our needs, but he made us to need one another 
and that each part person does their own special part, and they're probably different. They would do it differently than how you would even do it. But that's how we actually get perfected in love. Are you guys following me? Awesome. So how does God reconnect Elijah back to purpose? He reconnects him back with people. You cannot fulfill your kingdom destiny apart from people. Chris Valentin says, sometimes you can't find your destiny until you find your right find your people. The truth is that your destiny is with your people. Like Ruth, your destiny is often in the people you are with. So our destiny and the people we are called, our destiny and the people we are called to are intertwined. So last time I preached, I taught about it was God's will for you to be thankful. So when we say, God, what do you want me to do? The first thing is, are you thankful? The second thing should be, am I connected with people? Because our calling, our purpose is intertwined with those who are around us. So I just want to take a moment and have just a moment of repentance, okay? So if you want to bow your head, you can, or if you want to look in the sky, whatever. If you want to look at your heart, <laughs> But ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas where you disconnected and isolated yourself. So say, Holy Spirit. Well, you don't have to repeat it. I'm just, you know. Holy Spirit, you know. Reveal to me, and he's probably already done it. <laughs> but show me the areas where I've disconnected and isolated myself. And maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's like I'm around doing something every night of the week. Hey, I'm out there partying or whatever, dancing the night away. But I really cut off my heart. I haven't been real with the people around me. So just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any areas where you've disconnected or isolated yourself. Now ask the Lord to forgive you for believing a lie about yourself, a lie about your circumstance, a lie about others, or maybe it's about God himself. Maybe it's like, God, you didn't protect me. So just ask the Lord to forgive you for any lie that you might be believing that keeps you in isolation. I will say this, this is probably a sermon in itself, but you don't have to convince God to forgive you. Just ask. He's so willing. He's so willing to restore. And as we sing today, and to make all things new. Now, the last thing I want you to do is ask the Lord to reveal a truth that you can hold on to. 
Maybe the truth is there's always a solution. That was mine. There's always a solution for every situation. So just ask the Lord, what do you want to say? Maybe the truth is, I love you beyond. So just allow the Holy Spirit to release a truth over your life. See, these truths are really important because when I go into a situation and it seems hopeless, I say, wait a second. If it's hopeless, I'm believing a lie. So there's always a solution. Or maybe you're the one that likes to hide back at the wall, you know? Maybe the truth is I've caused you to be a light or whatever, whatever it is. And so that forces you to step out and interact. So I want to just say that it's important to meditate on the truth. So the truth that he gives you, but also in the scripture. So find, when you get the truth, find where it is in, in scripture and then read those verses. Meditate on it. Think about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, revelation that confronts the enemy is so beautiful because it really brings peace. So, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your plan for connection. That you have not called us to be alone, but you called us for partnership and connection and relationship and and an exchange of healthy life. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So we had another miracle today. I did not preach long. So that is a real miracle. Actually, I had like six other pages, but we'll just leave it at that and make a series. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you're always so willing to open up your arms and call us into relationship. So, Lord, I just thank you and give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we have the healing teams come up?